Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 163 and session number 46 of Ask Scott. This is where I answer your questions that you submit via voicemail, and I do my best to answer them here on this show. And you guys know, if you're longtime listeners, that is, I love doing this because it's like we're sitting around the coffee table having a nice cup of coffee or tea or whatever you drink and just talking about this and you're asking a question I'm going to give you my you know my my feedback or my advice or maybe where to go to get more advice you know so I really love doing this and I have to say little quick little story here you know I was listening to one of these uh, these messages that I'm going to share with you today and I got goosebumps I, I literally got goosebumps it just made me feel like wow like I never you know, imagined that this podcast would have that much of an impact on so many people. And then when you hear it, it just, oh, it just makes you feel really, really good inside. And uh, it just feels awesome. So I want to thank everyone that does submit their questions via voicemail so I can hear your voice. I can hear, you know, you know how passionate you are. And then again, that energy comes back to me and uh, it just keeps me really, really excited. And I know some of you say, Scott, how do you say, you know, how do you stay so, so motivated and so fired up? And a lot of times it's because I'm surrounding myself with like-minded people or just like hearing from you right? That helps me stay fired up and sitting here and you can't see me right now. My hands are going. I'm like clenching my fists. I'm like, I'm so excited for this opportunity and also to be able to meet and talk to people that are listeners and really have that opportunity to connect. And that's really, really awesome. Now, before we jump into today's Ask Scott session, let me, I, let me kind of remind you on two things. I mentioned it at the last, at the, at the end of the last podcast, which I kind of forgot to mention it, but we're offering transcripts now. So I'm having all episodes, uh, transcribed. So in this way here, you can go and listen and download the transcript. So this way here, you can have it as you could follow along or you can just read it if you're on the plane and, uh, you don't have, you know, access to the internet, whatever, you can download it and then go through it. A lot of people wanted this, so we actually made that available. So you can either read it right on the blog or you can download it. So if you want to download this episode with the questions that I answer, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash 163. Now, the other thing that I wanted to do here before we jump in is I wanted to share something that I think is really helpful and it really made me say, you know what, I got to let people know about this because I believe in this and this right here may help you, especially if you're thinking to yourself that you got to have everything perfect because my motto is not to have everything perfect, but it is to take action and it is to get moving. Now, that doesn't mean be careless. That just means that you, you know, you got to get it close and then go ahead and push it out the door. All right. So this one here was submitted by Eric Land, and he's actually one of our private students in the private label classroom. And he posted this in our community inside inside of the class. And this is what he posted. One of my mentors embedded this into my brain many years ago. Don't let perfection get in the way of progress. Let's repeat that. Don't let perfection get in the way of progress. And he goes on to say, I followed that advice and it has never failed me. Take action and fail forward. Hope everyone's February is off to a great start. All right. So again, I want you to really think about that because that makes total sense to me. Don't let perfection get in the way of progress. All right. So definitely, definitely write that down or go ahead and make a note of it and look back on that because I do believe uh, in that 
wholeheartedly. All right. So, all right, guys, what do you say? Let's go ahead and listen to the first question and I'll give you my answer. Hey, Scott. Uh, greetings from Hangzhou, China, um, just about 100 miles south of uh, Shanghai. Uh, Hangzhou is also the city where uh, the headquarters of both uh, Alibaba and AliExpress are located. I've been living here since uh, mid-September and just ongoing on my, uh, my daily uh, walks and around my block and, and, and the city. I've been to markets and, and seen some amazing deals on all kinds of products, but the one item, the one niche that has really caught my attention, uh, especially as a man who likes to dress uh, stylishly and classy, has been the, uh, the apparel uh, and clothing uh, niche, especially for men. Uh, my question is this. I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on starting on Amazon, uh, selling uh, uh, apparel and clothing uh, for men. Um, I've done some initial uh, research on it, and I found that it's a, it's a walled community, gated community, where it's not as easy to get in, especially as a, as a, as a, as a new person. Uh, so I'd love to hear your thoughts, uh, your pros and cons of getting into the apparel business. And my, my goal and my vision is not just to sell uh, retail arbitrage uh, products at, uh, on Amazon, but also to, uh, to eventually private label and, and start my own clothing line because I'm passionate about that. Uh, I, lo- I love dressing stylishly, and that's something I would, I would love to do and, and add my own touch to it. So, uh, and eventually build my own uh, e-commerce site around it and, a, and an authority blog and all that. So yeah, man, I'd love to hear your thoughts, pros and cons of starting on FBA, uh, selling um, apparel, and uh, uh, keep rocking. Your podcast is the best out there and uh, best and most courses out there as well. And Merry Christmas and all the best best wishes for you and your family. Thanks, my friend. Cheers. Whoa, now that's pretty awesome. All the way from China. So thank you so much for the question. I didn't get your first name, uh, but I did see the, I don't know if it's a username or if it's your name, but uh, it was attached to your email and that's Payman. So Payman, thank you so much for the question. And uh, yeah, that's awesome that you're you're over there and you're that close to Alibaba and AliExpress. That's pretty cool. Uh, so Hey, you know what? Maybe you can even take a picture of that and send it in. That would be cool. I'd love to get a picture of the actual headquarters uh, taken from someone that's a TAS listener. That would be amazing. Uh, okay, or maybe even hold a sign up that says TAS or something like that. That'd be cool. Um, all right, anyway, let's get on to the question here. Uh, great question. Yes, I think it is a great market. Uh, and I have to say here with the, the men's design, you know, designer type look and all of that stuff, I think it's a great market. And honestly, I could use a little help in that department. Uh, <laughs> especially this year, I'm going to be speaking at a couple events. So I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to, uh, you know, get a little bit more, uh, stylish, if you will. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm actually looking into that. So it's, that's kind of funny. Uh, but as far as the clothing goes, you know, as far as being you know, gated. I don't think that's a huge deal. I don't think it's a huge issue to get ungated. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that have done that. And uh, if you ever do need anything, Chris Schaefer could always probably guide you um, along with that. Um, and I could always hook you up with him. But, you know, as far as clothing in general, it's definitely a harder space because not just because it's clothing, but because there's a lot of different sizes. All right. And there's a lot of different you know, there's, there's a lot of different variables that go into sizes and everyone's built differently. They can't go try it on. So here's the problem. The problem is, is that you'll probably get a lot of refunds or returns. Okay. And because of that, 
your you know return rate will go up. Now they may have something built into the algorithm that says you know in clothing expect a higher return you know rate. But it also makes it hard because now every time something gets returned, you have to have it shipped back to you if you want to. And then from there, you need to repackage it and make it new again. Um, so that's the only thing that makes me say like in the beginning, especially it's going to be hard because you're number one, you're going to have to have a lot more inventory, right? You have to have different sizes and everything that you're offering. And you know, a little side, a little side story here for you. I was just having a conversation with someone the other day that sells not clothing, but it's, it's a, a, it's an item that can be wore on the body. All right. And because of that, you know, there's different sizes. So because of that, he does notice that he gets a lot more returns because people say, well, it doesn't fit, you know, the way that I thought it would because, you know, they have different size wrists or they have different size, you know, uh, arms or different size legs, right? So all of that stuff, you know, could be an issue. So just something to think about. And I'm not, you know, quite sure what the product is or if it's, you know, if it's, if it's ties, that's different. You know, ties, I think would be a little bit of a different market. Uh, bow ties, you know, regular, uh, suit ties, um, you know, cufflinks and, um, you know, stuff like that, that would be different. Uh, and I don't think that would be a problem. So more of an accessory line would be probably easier than if you're talking about a shirt or if you're talking about pants or shorts, uh, something like that. Even shoes would be hard because not everyone's fit the same, right? Their shoes are, you know, more narrow or they're wider and, you know, they don't like, I know Nikes for me, Nike uh, sneakers, they fit tighter on me than, let's say a new balance. Uh, you know, I just know that from, from years of, of wearing those types of shoes or, uh, you know, I've also, um, in, in the, in the past I've worn under armor, armor shoes. I, and those fit a little bit different. So it's like every brand has their own unique, you know, style of fitting, I guess, or their new, their unique way of fitting. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is, I think that that market is great and I love that market and I'm actually going to be a customer in that market, uh, you know, moving forward here, if I'm going to be doing any more speaking or anything like that. Uh, but, um, I do see that there's going to be some barriers there and I'm not saying to avoid the barriers because I think anytime there's a barrier, there's, you know, less competition. Um, but I do think that you'd have to start small and slow and then see how it goes. I would just, again, that's my thoughts. If I'm going into that market, I'm thinking, number one, I got to have a lot more inventory because if I need to have small, medium, and large only, that's just three sizes. What if I want an extra small? What if I want an extra large? What if I want extra, extra large? Or maybe you're just going to go after the medium build guy. You know, you're not going to go after tall. You know, what if someone's 6'5", but someone's 5'7"? There's a different fit there, right? You might fit the same width, but you know, might not fit the same height. You know, that's why they have a tall section. So that would be my only thoughts. If we were sitting down at that coffee shop, having that cup of coffee is, uh, that, that those would be my, my thoughts. So hopefully this has helped you. And again, I'm not saying don't go into this market. I'm just saying these are the things that I'd be thinking about and that you, you, you have to think about because you know, that is what you're doing, especially when you're buying, you know, clothing, over the internet and then you're not going to be able to fit everyone like in your shop. All right. So hopefully that's helped. Keep me posted. Try to shoot that picture with a signed TAS -er and then, you know, you know, the, the Alibaba, uh, factory in the background or the headquarters. That would be cool. Uh, so yeah, do that for me. That'd be awesome. All right. So let's go ahead and listen to another question and I'll give you my answer. Hey Scott, my name is Gintas. First of all, I would like to thank you for all the great job you're doing here. I love your podcasts, energy, and the amazing Facebook group you created. Lots of great people there. My question is related to patents. 
Short story. I finally found my first product that I'm interested in. I did a quick patent research and as far as I found, there were no patents on this product. There were about 20 FBA sellers selling more or less the same product. So I talked with several suppliers, received samples, bundled it with another product and made the deposit to my supplier a few days ago. However, now that I come to Amazon, I see that more sellers came for this product and one of them wrote that they have patent pending. I believe there's nothing wrong while patent is only pending. I can legally sell it, so I'll go for it at least to get started. But this situation could happen for any product that I choose. In one of your latest podcasts, you spoke what you can do with your product which margin has gone down. Now imagine that your product was still doing very well and someone patents it. What would you do? Would there be any way to get around this and use your listing with all the reviews, keywords, rankings and all the good stuff you were building for the last year? I would like to hear your opinion about it. Hey, Gintas, what's up? Thank you so much for the question. I appreciate it. And I, you know, I've answered patent questions in the past and I'm going to answer it again and I'll probably answer it again because it is important. And, you know, first off, I need to say that, you know, I'm not a legal advisor. I don't claim to be and I don't play one on TV either. Okay. Uh, but, um, you know, if you are at all thinking that you're violating a patent, at all, then I would steer clear of it myself personally. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't sell a similar product. You just can't have what that product has, you know, as far as the patented issue or the, the patented part of the product. All right. Now, if you don't know what that is, well, then you need to do a little bit more digging. Okay. Uh, because, you know, you don't want to play around with that. Now, worst case scenario, most of the time is going to be, hey, you are violating a patent stop selling, you know, that's going to probably be, you know, what's going to happen. And then if you continue to do it, then there would be probably legal, you know, um, uh, you know, things being done there. So I would say if you see someone saying patent pending, yes, that's pending. We don't necessarily know if it's patent pending, but at that point you might want to hire an attorney and have them do an extensive search. And then maybe that patent pending might be on one little element of that product right? Maybe it is the rubber um, on the bottom of that mug that someone has patented, right? So it's that it's the, the diamond pattern of the rubberized pattern there on the bottom of a mug. So it's their anti-slip patented bottom, right? But the cup isn't patented. It's just the, the surface on the bottom. So patents a lot of times, you know, and patents aren't just thrown out like, you know, you can just go and get one and, you know, write a check. You know, there's got to be extensive research, extensive, you know, filing and and then again, kind of research to see other things that could be, you know, uh, you know, you could be, I guess, infringing on someone else's patent. And there's just a lot of detail that goes into a patent. And that's why they do sometimes take years for them to be uh, approved and, and filed and all that stuff. But your best bet there is to, you know, hire an attorney. And yes, it might cost you a few hundred bucks, but it's going to be well worth it in the end. And I would say, you know, if at all you're thinking that you're violating a patent, and this goes for anyone out there, I would steer clear. I'm, me personally, right? There's plenty of other opportunities out there that you could take advantage of that you wouldn't be violating a patent. Now, you may be like doing everything on the up and up 
and you may say, you know what, this is this isn't patented. And, and you're good, right? But then someone comes out of the woodwork and says that I had a patent and you're violating this and everything. And then it's up to you if you want to fight it or if you just want to say, you know what, it's not worth it. I'm just going to cash my chips in and go. Um, that's, you know, that's something you can do as well. Now, the other part of this, and it, this is a good, uh, a good situation to talk about. Like, let's say that you're selling something and it's doing pretty well. And then all of a sudden, someone comes out of the woodwork and says, I have a patent on this. And actually, this happened to a friend of mine, uh, actually. And we were just talking about this the other day. And they said that this happened. And they weren't aware of it. And there was other sellers, like 15 other sellers, doing the same exact thing. And then all of a sudden, they all went away because they must have gotten that that letter that said that they had a patent. And they all jumped ship, which is smart. And then, you know, he was the last one still selling. So he got a phone call. And, you know, he went and jumped off. He said, oh, no problem. You know, I, I wasn't aware of that. You know, I was buying it through a manufacturer who, you know, claimed that it was, you know, not patented and, and it was. So they were violating it. So most of the time, if you jump off, it's not a problem. But here's here's the, the thing. Let's say that you have a product and let's just use a garlic press. And in that garlic press, you have a certain a certain surface that's on the handle, a certain gripping material that's on there, right? And that is, you just went to the manufacturer and they said, we have this, this is one of our standard garlic presses. Uh, You don't see a lot of people selling it, maybe a couple, and then from there, you start selling it. Well, then you find out that this garlic press, that surface material has this grip on there, right? And it's patented. Well, that doesn't mean that you have to take that listing and totally shut it down. Okay, because you're not saying that it's the certain brand. I'm using air quotes. You're not like, you know, if you are doing that, yes, that's wrong. You can't do that either. You can't pretend to be a popular brand or a patented brand. But the question was, if I've get, if I've got momentum going on this listing, do I just jump ship and then just kill the listing? And my my uh, answer to that, or my what I would do in this situation is I would maybe discontinue that one variation and then I would roll out another variation underneath that same listing. All right, so I would just strip out whatever was the patented issue, okay, and then from there, I would just let that um, that variation kind of die, if you will, and then from there, I would just start up another variation of a different style of that garlic press. This way here, the listing is for garlic presses. It's not necessarily for that particular surface that's on that garlic press. Now, this can get a little sticky, a little goofy, but you have to just use your own head at this and see if if uh, you're able to then launch a variation because you could have one garlic press that has a rubber handle and then the, another variation could be one that's just a stainless steel handle. And they can be on the same listing, just two different types or three different types or four different types, right? So this way here, you wouldn't lose the momentum and the ranking that you started to achieve from doing the launch and all of that. And uh, you wouldn't lose your, your reviews underneath that listing as well. So hopefully this has answered your question. I know it wasn't a direct do this, do this, do this, but it will give you a little bit of, I guess, knowledge moving forward as far as what to look for and then at that point what you should do if that ever happens to you with that listing should you just kill it or should you continue to use the listing just not with that product or that variation let's call it um, so hopefully that's been helpful uh, keep me posted on uh, on what you do decide I'd be curious to know and uh, yeah maybe we can do a follow-up or something all right so let's go ahead and listen to another question and I'll give you my answer hi Scott my name is Jason from Indonesia I've been following your amazing podcast for a while now, and just last November, I decided to 
you know, quit overanalyzing things and decided to take action thanks to you. Well, long story short, my product just went live five days ago and I've sold over 160 units. I think that's a decent start, right? Um, so just a quick story. I'm located halfway around the world. So when I'm sleeping at night, it's daytime in the U.S. So last night I went to bed around 11 and when I checked back on my sales at around 8 a.m. this morning, I sold 60 units. I mean, wow, it literally makes you money when you sleep. So now I heard that Chinese New Year is coming up in February and a lot of factories will close from, you know, two weeks to as long as a month. So I guess it's a pretty big holiday in China. And I think a lot of sellers uh, who are running low on stock from the holiday will try to restock before suppliers go on the holidays. But I also heard that January is when a lot of customers return products. So I'm wondering if you can give us your experience on how you managed your inventory during this time. Would you order stock for three months? I mean, is it wise to stock up that much? Uh, sorry for the long voicemail. I just think I owe this to you and the TAS community. I really appreciate the amazing content you give to us. And uh, I believe you'll be blessed a hundred more by doing that. So I'm looking forward to hearing back from you. Thanks again, Scott. Cheers. Hey, Jason, thank you so much for the question. And Everyone that was listening to the beginning of this podcast where I said that I got goosebumps, this was one of those that gave me those goosebumps. And here's why. You know, Jason says that he's been listening and he's been taking action and he was able to launch a product that's doing 60 plus sales a day. And that's just amazing to me, right? So, you know, he's been listening to the podcast. He's been connected to the Facebook community, the TAS community, that is. And just from the resources that I provide for free has done this. And it's just amazing and awesome to be able to be a part of that. So, Jason, thank you so much for allowing me um, to help you, but then also for you to share that with me because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are doing this, right? They're they're taking the podcast. They're just listeners. They're not, you know, out there, you know, telling me that they're listening or telling me what they're doing, um, but they're getting results, you know, and that's fine. I'm not saying that I need the credit for it, but when you do get that, man, I'm just telling you, it feels really, really good. So, Jason, I just want to say thank you once again, and uh, I just really appreciate it. And like I said, when I listened to that, it did give me goosebumps because that's real stuff. That's real. And that's awesome. Uh, so to answer your question about inventory, which is a is a really big thing any time of the year, not even just necessarily here. Yes, we're talking about a two to a three week downtime and then they have to start back up again. So you might as well say about four weeks is what you got to plan in this, uh, you know, in this holiday. Uh, you know, so depending on when you're listening to this, you know, they have a, a Chinese New Year um, every February and uh, from there they shut down for, I believe it's 14 days. I don't know exactly, but it's a couple of weeks and then from there, when they get back up and running, they have to kind of get things back in order and get running properly. And they might have lost some people when they shut down to where they start back up. So they got to retrain and all of those things. So yes, you want to plan your inventory, whether it's a holiday or not, because you need to almost forecast out about 60 days. You know, that's the best scenario. And the easiest way to do that is to manually just track your sales. You can look back as well and just do the past 30 days and then the past 60 days. And you can see, okay, I'm currently selling 20 units a day of this product. 
So that's for 30 days, I'm selling 600 units. I only have a thousand left in stock. So I'm really only good for about a month and a half. Well, let's see. I've got Chinese New Year coming up or whatever. Maybe your manufacturer said that now they're running 30 days out. You need to plan for that. So I think everybody's situation is a little bit different. Yeah, you may want to be three months in, in stock, you know, but for some people that's scary and I get it. So, you know, there's ways to, to slow down the amount of sales by raising the price and all that stuff, but that doesn't always work either. And you may run the risk of running out of stock. And you know what? That may happen. And if it does, it's not the end of the world. I know a lot of people that have run out of stock for two, three, even four weeks, and they're able to get their spot back once they get up and running again with the inventory. Um, but I wouldn't let that hold me back. But to answer the question about inventory, you have to plan. You have to do your best to plan. But that doesn't mean overspend either. That doesn't mean buy three, four months supply because you're just in a panic that you think that uh, you know you may sell out and you're going to go out of inventory. But you do want to plan it. You need to be in constant communications with your, uh, you know, with your supplier, with your manufacturer. You know, letting them tell you. Like I know myself personally. Like my manufacturer just told me. They go, Scott, if you place your order right now. Okay, which is let's say beginning of February. If you if you go ahead and you place that now, we're not going to be able to ship your new items until mid-April. Okay. So we're talking February, March. You're talking that's two and a half months, right? So that's a that's a long time, right? So what I've done is I've put in another order before the Chinese New Year, put my 30% down. And then from there, at least I'll be in queue. So this way here, I'll be the first one out as far as, you know, in beginning of April, let's say, okay? Because typically it's a 30-day turnaround, 20 to 30-day turnaround when everything's running smooth. And then you got to figure about a week for shipping, about three to four days for me, but let's just say a week. So you're talking, that's about five weeks alone, just there, right? And then if they're running behind, you got to add on time for that. So you do have to communicate with your supplier and your manufacturer. That's really important. And then also you need to understand how many, you know, you need to know these, these, uh, you know, you need to know this about your business, uh, you know, as far as like how well something is selling. And then you also need to look at the trend, right? You may have come out of fourth quarter and maybe into the first quarter and things are going good. But then if you looked at the trend from last year, you can see that your market kind of dips in February, March, well, you might be okay, you know, so you kind of have to do a little bit of forecasting. There's never going to be an exact, uh, you know, measurement that you're going to be able to use, but you just need to calculate it out as best as possible. All right. So hopefully that's helped. Hopefully that's answered your question. And again, thank you so much, Jason, for sharing that with me. It means a lot and it'll make my day a little bit better today and I'll have a little bit more bounce in my steps. So thank you for that. All right. Let's listen to one more quick question and I'll give you my answer. Hi Scott, my name is Ramsey from Australia. I've uh, been listening to your podcast for a few months now and um, at the moment I've uh, found a supplier. We've got a sample and uh, I'm in the process of uh, setting up my listing and getting the products finalized with my supplier. Um, my question is, uh, what, what's the difference between a barcode, a UPC, an ASIN and... Um, and FNSKU, and also which of these does Amazon provide us with, which do we have to buy ourselves, and which one do we send to our supplier to stick on our product. Um, thanks for the, taking the time to listen to my question, and uh, looking forward to hearing back from you. Thanks. See ya. 
Hey, Ramsey, thank you so much for the question. All the way from Australia. That's on my bucket list, by the way. I want to I want to get to Australia one of these days. Um, definitely would love to check it out. Uh, so to answer your question, uh, you know, about UPC codes, barcodes, A- ASINs, the ASIN, uh, let's see, FNSQ, um, all of these numbers, right? I mean, especially for people that are new, they're like, what number do I need, Scott? What is the number? Well, here's the thing, Okay. First off, you're going to need a UPC code, okay? And you can buy them. They're totally cheap. I mean, 75 cents, a buck a piece. Uh, you can go to our resource page and then you can find them there, theamazingseller.com forward slash resources uh, or just Google it. And the UPC barcode, what that's going to do is allow you to create your listing on Amazon, okay? You have to have a barcode in order to list a product in the Amazon catalog, okay? Now, secondly, that's also an identifier for you that it's your product. So some people say, well, you don't have to print it on the box. And, you know, you don't have to, but the good thing about putting it on the box or the bag is now you have another identifier on there just in case someone came on and decided to try to counterfeit your product because because, because, now, because now it's yours and it's it's okay, or it's on the bag. Now, the other thing that you need to understand is that Amazon is going to give you their own barcode, which is their FNSQ number, okay? That is their identifier. Now, the ASIN, that also is an identifier, but not necessarily what they need on the box. That's just kind of like their catalog, and it'll be in their in your URL um, as far as the web address, okay? But you don't really need to be concerned with that. What you need to be concerned with are those two, the UPC code, the barcode, okay, and the FNSQ number. Now, like I said, you can have your manufacturer print the FNSQ number on your package, and then you don't have to pay Amazon to do it. They charge 20 cents to put their label on, uh, on your particular item, okay? And you can easily just give it to them. Once you go through the process of like shipping in an order, you don't have to complete the order, but you can get the FNSQ number by just going through the, uh, the actual, uh, like you're submitting product. Okay, you, you go in like you're gonna you're gonna send some product in and you can get the FNSQ number. There's a little drop down thing there that says show the FNSQ number, and you can do that. Okay. Um, and then you can grab that number. Now, the other thing, okay, with the UPC code is if you ever wanted to sell it in retail, you would need a UPC code. Okay. So that's why it's it's a good idea and probably good practice to have that UPC barcode printed on the box as well. And then what'll happen though is Amazon, here's a, here's another thing that you need to understand. Amazon will label over top of that UPC barcode with the FNSQ number. You can't have two barcodes on there. It'll be confusing. Okay. So what they'll do is they'll label it over top of that. So my recommendation would be if you are intending on having them print the UPC code on the box, and putting the FNSQ there, you want them to to put that label over top of the UPC code, okay? Now, maybe some will disagree here. I would do that so there's no, uh, there's no confusion, okay? Um, anytime that I've received a package, I see that the, the actual FNSQ is over top of the UPC code. Um, maybe that's just me. I just think that this way here, there's no confusion. Um, that, that would be my recommendation there. So that's pretty much going to wrap up this session of Ask 
Scott, I did want to remind you guys, though, that the transcripts for this episode and all of the ones moving forward, even a few in the back, we've also did them for like 161, 162, 163. Uh, you can go back and download the transcripts now. So head over to the episode that you want to download the transcripts. They will be there in the show notes. For this episode in particular, it is 163. So that web address would be theamazingseller.com forward slash 163. And I also wanted to remind you one other thing. If you have not attended one of my live free workshops where I walk you through the five phases for picking a product all the way to launching a product and everything in between, you can still register for an upcoming one by heading over to theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. Once again, that's theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. All right, and we do live Q&A there as well, and we just have an awesome time, and I would love for you to attend. All right, guys, so that's going to pretty much wrap it up. Remember, I'm here for you. I believe in you. I'm rooting for you, but you have to. You have to. Come on, say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. Take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, and I'll see you in the next episode. 